Hello and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group Investigating Angel. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And we are here in the Central Library of Los Angeles in downtown, uh, where we are mm-hmm. gathering in, in the, the darkness of night to discuss Angel, the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That we are. Uh, this episode, episode three of season one, In the Dark, is directly tied to the Buffy episode we just discussed last week in the Sunnydale Study Group. That is right. If you did not watch The Harsh Light of Day, the Buffy episode, then stop what you're doing right now. Go back to it. Go it, do that. It like just It's like right after those events, mm-hmm. this episode happens. Uh, so you're going to need that. So you know what? If you need to take a quick second to pause this and go check out that episode or get caught up, feel free, because uh, we're going to cue the music. Here it goes. Hey, cool. We have been, we haven't done uh, an Angel episode in a while. No, we haven't. And we are getting to do the very first crossover in the history of Buffy and Angel. Is it, Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I, I mean, the, yeah, well, the series just the started. The first two episodes didn't have anyone from Buffy, from Sunnydale. Aside no. from, obviously, Cordelia and Angel and so on. Right. Those that are part of the cast. Exactly. But now we get to see in a very up top way mm-hmm. uh, Oz and Spike appear in Angel. Yeah. So Spike comes on da- uh, he he's on the rooftop watching Angel and uh I forget her name but the Rachel. girl Rachel. Rachel, Rachel mm-hmm. from the opening credits, right? Yes. Rachel from the opening credits uh talk and then he voices them and I you know what struck me? I don't know this is an odd tone to start with. Spike like, not homophobic per se, but really attached to calling Angel like a Nancy boy. Yeah. And using hair product jokes and saying, like, no, I can't. Yes. No, his dinging him on masculine norms is certainly something Spike leans on. Yeah. Yeah. To, like, a point where you're like, uh, I don't know, like, starting to lose the Spike higher ground on this argument here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he ever had it. Yeah, I guess not. But he uh, that is a very hilarious part. Mm-hmm. There you got Spike narrating Angel, the two men that have had a heavily uh, influential effect on each other's lives. Yeah, and now they're back together. Yeah. Uh, sticking with it, before we get over to Oz and how great it is to see him, uh, their first interaction, Angel and Spike, oh boy, Spike lands a punch. Yeah, he like walks in with like a two-by-four in yeah. hand. That has to just be in the garage, right? He may have found it. Spike is a weapons guy. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he might have carried it with him, or he might have... I mean, the thing between uh, Angel and Buffy is that there, there always seems to be chain-link fence everywhere, mm-hmm. and there always seems to be wood, like bits of wood, just everywhere. That's, but that's also the world itself, don't you think? The world's filled with wood? And chain-link fences. I guess there are a lot of chain... Like, sometimes chain-link fences pop up around, like, properties they're going to, like, build on... Uh, yes. So I guess they was, have to just be mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, there was a... We did a show last night at the Fanatic Salon in nice. Santa Monica. And we did our warm-up right next to a chain-link fence with barbed oh. wire. And some wood pallets nearby. Could have been where they <laughs> shot an episode of Angel. It could be. Because they go all around Los Angeles for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he lands a swing on Angel, and Angel goes flying against the wall. Yeah. Now, I mean, Spike... Spike in Harsh Light of Day and this episode mm-hmm. is a particularly villainous version of Spike. Oh, he's terrible. Maybe the most evil he's been in the series yet. Like, we saw him in season two, and while he's always been a bad guy, yeah. he was always kind of fun and likable. Yeah. Like, I can't really pinpoint, an, besides just, like, his general murder... Yeah. He was never particularly sadistic, and if anything, he was particularly loving Mm because of how much he loved Drusilla. In the last episode, Buffy the Harsh Light of Day, we see Spike on a quest to become an immortal vampire with the gem of Amara, and he is super brutal. Yeah. He's an abusive boyfriend to Harmony. Yeah. At least, 
you know, verbally. As we discussed, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not good. It's an unhealthy relationship. He uses her. He insults her. He wants her to hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he finally gets the gem of Amara on, he kicks Buffy's ass in a way that is incredibly public and brutal. Yeah. So then she whoops his ass quickly because Spike will always kick uh, Spike's ass. He's never really posed too heavy of a threat on her yeah. in any of their encounters. She's never... Buffy, more Angel has bested her more than Spike ever has. Yes, yeah. And then Spike comes on to Angel, and he undergoes this elaborate torture plan where Angel is being skewered with hot pokers and just... Uh, Escalated pretty quickly. <laughs> right. Just an evil Spike. Yeah. But... He is a villain at this point. Yeah, he is. He definitely is. Like, he's, it's kind of uh, hard to deny and deny the difference between Angel, who has a soul, and Spike, who doesn't have a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, because he brings in this, like, crazy chain-wielding Indiana Jones vampire guy who just gets that chain around Angel's neck, like, lickety-split. Yeah. Wait, Indiana Jones? Because of the whip. Oh, okay. Because of the whip. <laughs> That's really as far as that comparison goes. There's <laughs> okay. no other... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Marcus. Marcus. Marcus the vampire who has Indiana Jones whipping skills. Yeah. But is more so kind of like Leroy, the scary guy in the corner of your office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he is, it's great because he's sort of like this old school, like torture villain character, but they take it, I feel like he's a little bit more interesting. What do you think his obsession is? It feels like... So who are the major, like, torture famous characters? It's like Lecter? Was he a torturer? I don't know if he tortured as much as just eight people. It's pretty and there bad. is some torture bits. I mean, Buffalo Bill in that film is probably more torture He's the torturer? Because he, like, taunts and, like, kidnaps people. Yeah. Which is not good. I mean, to me, one of the main torturers in pop culture is Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Although he's uh, written as the hero. The new season or series of 24 should have just been someone else's perspective on 24. Yeah. Should have just been like, we have to take care of this Jack Bauer problem. Oh, yeah. I watched some of it. What do you think? Um, Very Fox. It's 24. Yeah. It's the same show, except with not Jack Bauer, and it stars... Um, the guy who played Dre in Strata Compton. Okay. His name escapes me at the moment. Good for him. He's great in it. Great. Tony is it Almeida's weird because there? like we're kind of like not in that mentality anymore? Yeah, it feels like it's kind of pushing it. Yeah. It feels kind of like, in the same way that Eminem still had homophobic, misogynistic lyrics on Marshall Mathers' LP2, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, Eminem, what? Yeah. What are you doing? St- what? No, no. Yeah. Be done with this. It's like 24. It's like you're coming in and it's just like, you know, Muslim terrorists mm-hmm. as the villains. And it's like, 24. No. Like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> make, this, make it the Russians. Yeah. That would be the thing I to I think they made it the Russians before. It was like all over the place. I remember at one point. I don't know. I 24 is weird to me because I don't want to offend anyone's tastes. But I was always, like, just kind of confused because I was, like, everyone's like, it's such a great show. And then I watch a few episodes, I'm like, it's an okay show. It's not, like, changing my life. No, yeah, it was a new uh, structural format. Oh, I guess that was a cool thing. It was, like, real time, right? Yeah. The way Uh, that it did that, the way that it, it, a full-scale effort on keeping track of that idea was impressively executed over many seasons. Yeah. The way that they're costumes it was like yeah they're wearing the same clothes this is all happening in a single day and that's an interesting concept i would like a real-time time travel movie boom boom or tv show i like it if you're uh, out there uh you can write your check to omar yeah uh lives in la yeah uh, all one word all one word on instagram i lost the password for that i promised that i was gonna post more and then i don't know what the password is so darn do you have any like go-to's that uh, uh passwords yeah, uh, you don't want to here. what's the no? I started to think of the one from Watchmen when it was just like he turned and it was like Pharaoh or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like <laughs> you shouldn't have that playing around. Oh my god! 
Also, he wouldn't. The smartest man in the world wouldn't still use floppy disks. I think the smartest man in the world would have seen like, yeah, I shouldn't use floppy disks. Yeah, that's a separate problem. Um, but aside from Jack Bauer, there's like the guy in James Bond. Uh, what film is it? Like Tomorrow? Is that the one where he's like, I expect you to die? Yeah, it's like I am just a professional doing. Well, there's two of them, right? There's one of them is like this guy out of like Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. And the other was that guy of just like, I am just a professional doing my job. So and he's am I. Like, yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, he's like doing the laser closer and closer to him. No, that's from way back in the day. That's oh, okay. Goldfinger. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. I'm not a huge Bond guy. Not a big Bond guy. I like Bond fine. I don't, I'm not, what I've realized is I'm not a big guns so anyone guy. Anyone who's got a gun. Just like, it's not like I, I realize that as I go on. Mm-hmm. I liked Star Wars, where they had laser swords. Yeah. I like Lord of the Rings, where they had swords. But anyway, and I'm becoming a more soft person as the days go on. That violence isn't quite. That violence isn't good, and that you and like we had this discussion, I think, on our Avengers episode, mm-hmm. our Age of Ultron episode, of which there is a Sunnydale study group Age of Ultron yep, episode, yep. where we talked about the idea of does the does geek culture's worship of violent heroes help perpetuate violence in some ways yes Mm -hmm. but you gave some great examples even specifically with the avengers and i think buffy and angel do a decent job of yeah but they're pretty violent i mean angel's a violent dude i mean punches right yeah yeah angels angel kills a lot but he kills bad guys yes it's kind of but it's still it's making in the same way wolverine like you saw logan yep love logan Mm -hmm. the thing that was kind of like whoa about logan though was man is it brutal yeah like I'm just gonna give him some. I think this is. Oh, nice. Uh, the turtle is making some noise, and it is. Uh... And I'll cut that out. Okay, cool. No problem. No problem. Do do do. Do 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 do. do. Oh. That should fix that. Uh, all right, here we go. All right. So, um, yeah, Logan. Uh, is insanely violent. <laughs> like, a little gratuitous. And I was in a theater that was, like, cheering when, like, certain violent things would happen, and I was like, ah, maybe it's just because of the state of the world that I feel like maybe now we all need to start calling out that this isn't okay. Che- yeah, it's... Uh, I don't, like... I remember, like, I stopped watching Game of Thrones with a bunch of people because, like, of that time that, like, Anya Stark... Arya? Arya. What did I say? On, I'm stuck in Buffy, Buffy world. Mode. Yeah. Arya Stark, uh, like, slowly stabbed her first victim that she killed. Yeah. And a bunch of people I was watching it was like, yeah. And I was like, no. No, <laughs> not like that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like we want Arya to get revenge because vengeance feels good in storytelling. But as we learn throughout mm-hmm. the series of Buffy, especially now that Anya the Vengeance Demon is present character vengeance just begets more vengeance i that's the thing is i don't i think like when you get older you're like yeah but that system doesn't quite work like you actually need to legitimately like stop the system that's mm-hmm. turning people into what you perceive as as bad guys Aside, like the, i think the only times that i'm okay with it is like when it's like back to the future or something like that mm-hmm. when like biff gets punched and it's like great we just needed one yeah or like in frozen like uh like Anna's punch at the end off the ship. Great. Yep. I think we just needed one because that's more of a slap, right? Mm-hmm. That's more of just like a no. And I think yeah. that's good. But if it's ever like something more than that, it's yeah. always like, oh, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Like we should probably. Mal in Firefly, his quick turnarounds of violence. I like those two because also it makes Mal. Mal's not over glorified. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Like I remember one time. My friend Leah was watching Firefly for the first time, and she was like, I like the show a lot, I just don't like Mal. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, he's a badly written character? She's like, no, he just scares me, because yeah. he's unstable. Yeah. And I never heard that about Mal, because growing up as, like, a boy in America, I was just like, yeah, of course, the gunslinger, like, he's the hero or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, like, our Mrs. Reynolds really weirded me out how he so easily and willingly, like, hits women. And it's just like, oh, yeah, come to think of it, that he is pretty messed up. Like, there yeah. is, like, a lot of stuff that's, like, not good about him. Totally. 
So yeah, no, Mal is flawed indeed. I was really uh, if you just listened to the Harsh Light of Day episode, I loved Holland's perspective on the Parker situation. Yeah, I was like, you know what, you're right. Because we were so quick to just be like, let's tear him apart. Yeah, because yeah. it's because we almost feel like that's what we're supposed to do on some level, and yeah. it feels like, and we have that reaction, and then she was like, well, people are flawed. And we all do terrible things to each other. I'm yeah. Like, wow. It's way more responsible. It's a way better way to think of it. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, in the dark, uh, the, can we talk about the idea of the crossover? Oh, yeah. Let's discuss the crossover. Because the crossover occurs in many television series. Mm-hmm. I think that Next the, Generation, Next Deep Space Gen- Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when Picard shows up in the first episode mm-hmm. of Deep Space Nine, it helps that show feel more real. It helps this fake universe feel expanded and in that sense gives the first show mm-hmm. even more of a weight to it because of the fact that it's so expansive. Yeah. That it can't even be contained to one show. Mm-hmm. And many shows had successful spinoffs. Many do not. Yep. Angel, most Buffy fans adore. Mm-hmm. Many Buffy fans I have discovered never really watched it. Never watched Angel? Yeah. But then there's a large faction of people who prefer Angel. Because mm-hmm. uh, in full disclosure, love many things about this episode. Omar and I were talking about this a little bit ago. I hope it's fine to say. Angel isn't quite a great show yet. It is, is it okay for us to say that I on our very so. happy Buffy podcast? I think they're still figuring out like what to they're do still, with yeah. it. Uh, they're still kind of like taking. I mean, the show will change. This, uh, this I don't think it spoils anything. The show will change so much. Yeah, will change so much in the next coming episodes and seasons. Yeah, uh, and it becomes this other thing. Right now, it's just like Angel. Is, it's like it's super detective. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's super detective, and what with like, with some Buffy characters. Yeah, and that's what I think. I think that this episode is the first one that really is just like, okay, let's we went super super detective. Let's pull it back a sec because this is a Buffy show, mm-hmm. uh, or it's in like the vamp universe. And having Oz there gives it that back, yes. where it's just like, let's focus on the mystical element of it. Yeah. Uh, while it has, like, these noir... I feel like, I don't know, I've talked about this, like, a little bit a few times, but, like, I'm really into this idea of, like, the 60-30-10, mm-hmm. which is, like, everything... Like, this is from, like, interior design, where, like, you have 60% of one color, and then you have 30% of, like, a contrasting or a complementary color, depending on exactly how you want to decorate and then 10% is your accent color mm-hmm. so you might have like uh, let's say you want to have like a woodsy like an oceany woodsy feel to your room right you would have uh, a lot of green right yeah and then that's your 60% and then 30% you might have like some sheets or maybe your couch or whatever is like blue like the sky or the ocean right okay and then you have like your accent um, which could be like maybe a red and so, like, you would have, like, a few pillows that are red or something like that just to draw the eye in and throw something in. And with Angel, I feel like they were just, like, 100% of this show is noir. Yeah. Or, like, 90% of this show is noir, 10% of the show is about guilt or something like that. Right. And <laughs> and what I like, or 10% is, like, Los Angeles. And I like this Oz being there helped to balance out where it's, like, actually, this is a 60% paranormal investigation show. Mm-hmm. 30% fighting super cop show and then 10% Los Angeles. I, that is, wow. <laughs> can we get a graph for that? We can make a graph. Yeah. Perhaps if JP's feeling inspired, not required. Not required Not at required all. homework, but if, you know, JP, who does a lot of extra credit for his SSG homework, if you feel inspired, that was a pretty amazing graph. Or we can just make the graph. We could make the graph as well. Or maybe we just heard the graph, and we already learned from it. Yeah. But yes, I think you are correct. And then eventually, Angel gains the the missing backbone that is the family element. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I was... At some point, I was having a discussion with someone that everything is about family. Yeah. Every single story is a family story. Yeah. I mean, everything originates from the ancient Greek tale of the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> so I would be forced to agree with you... <laughs> He's right. Yeah. He couldn't be more right. And Angel isn't yet that. Yeah. Because Doyle is just sort of there. Yeah. They haven't really had moments. Like, yes, Doyle is present for Angel's, like, major reflective brooding moments. Mm-hmm. But they haven't connected fully. And then Doyle and Cordelia have some chemistry, but that's not, like, family's not chemistry. Like, no. that's not 
Yeah. It's got to be... And they only have some. They only have some. It's just like, your apartment's messier. No, your apartment's messier. And it's like, okay. Well, they're both (laughs) not super clean apartments, but it doesn't mean that these are your defining traits. Exactly. That's a pretty ambiguous, like, Mm -hmm. how would you describe yourself in a few words? Mm, Sort of unclean apartment? Yeah. Great. (laughs) Next question. And what a strange decision to start the show with such a small cast. And I think it's fine because I love where the cast ends up Mm -hmm. in a couple years. But three cast members. Two of whom are from Buffy. Two are from Buffy who had no major chemistry on that series. Yeah. And I do love where the Cordy and Angel friendship develops. And then to throw in Doyle who Cordy and he... Like you said, mm-hmm. it's not a real bantery, full relationship. And then there's no other major characters. No. So it's like right now, Angel isn't its own show yet. It's still just Buffy the there's Extra. There's no big bad, right? Yeah. Well, there never really is. I wouldn't. I mean, Wolfram and Hart is mentioned in episode one, but they never really function as a as like a big bad. They're always kind of like the underarching series yeah. bad. I feel like later. I don't want to say too much, but later we do get to a big bad. That is associated with Wolfram and Hart. Yes, very much so. But it's, I mean, in the same way that Buffy, the it was like the master. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, once the master is taken care of in, in season one, you're like, okay, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You're and right. Then, it, it's a series of connective tissue. Yeah, but it's not like a big, and, and I right, like by yeah. season three, it was just amends, I think it was the first time that we were like, oh, there's a bigger game at play here. Yeah. And that was like, the, that amends is specifically from Buffy, the battle mm-hmm. for Angel's soul. Yep. But at large, it's like I get the feeling that there is a battle for the soul of humanity. That that's what Buffy yes. defends us from. for or yeah. from. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that uh, yeah, Buffy. Buffy just had its voice more defined already, mm-hmm. so you can just tell that Joss and David Greenwald are and and it's their their a game yeah. players are on this show. It's like uh, Doug Petrie wrote this episode. Yep. So it's not like it's different writers. Yeah, it was just them finding a different dynamic. It's also hard speaking, and like I said. Nothing in LA, like everything I've written has to not be in LA. I have a rule. This is just turning into my word farm speeches that I have at UCSB. But uh, I have a rule where it's don't Burbank. And it's a script can't take place in Burbank. You can call it whatever. Like it might be like Missoula. But if you're writing it as if you're shooting it in Burbank, you're missing something. Mm -hmm. Unless it's specifically in Burbank. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to write as like, you want to do clerks, but it's like Blast from the Past on Magnolia. Great. That's specifically a Burbank story. Yeah. If it's a script about, like, trying to get that Portos, great. That's yeah. great. It's the story uh, of a young Tim Burton mm-hmm. playing Looking in his for backyard. Seasons. Yeah. <laughs> and not finding it. Actually, I would love to start. Quick pause. Let's tee out for a second. I would love to watch a Tim Burton movie not directed by Tim Burton. Like, about Tim Burton. That's interesting. I would love that. Of, like, someone who just really understands Tim Burton. Maybe we should just get Mia to make, like, an animated movie. Oh, And, like... Anytime he sees darkness or something, that's in color, but everything else is black and white. Whoa. And then, like, he sees, like, an autumn leaf, and that's, like, orange, and then he, like, starts to work with, like, Selleck, and they're, like, creating worlds. Brilliant. Mia, you're hired. Great. Omar, you're writing it. Thank you. Our budget currently is, to be honest, in the negative. (laughs) We've actually lost money on the project. Yeah, so far. And... (laughs) Because time is money. It will only get worse. Yeah. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But, uh, Teal, all right, game it. Uh, all right, we're back in. Um, we're back in. All right, Angel, in the dark. First cross Setting stuff episode. in L.A. is hard. Oh, because yeah. L.A. doesn't have... Let's talk about this. We, I feel like every time... By the way, Angel, Investigating Angel is mostly going to just be us two. Yes. Um, because uh, Holland's out there fighting the, the big bad of complacency and not enough good content. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so she's out there, and we might have a few guests, but mostly it'll just be us chatting. And yeah. I, I think it, every episode is going to tie back to Los Angeles pretty directly. Mm-hmm. And something, it's really hard to decide what side of Los Angeles you want to dedicate yourself to. Because it's this huge, sprawled out city that doesn't really, I feel like each individual culture or neighborhood doesn't quite connect into a Los Angeles story for me. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if that's true, if you feel that way. Well, it's not the Los Angeles that I live, but I think that what I find, and maybe I, forgive me if I misunderstood your question, um, but I think that what Angel's focusing on is that 
is like you were saying mm-hmm. the noir style LA stories of which many noirs involve like Los the old Angeles. 1940s like murder tales and yes, true crime exactly and that stuff was so rarely about showbiz because mm-hmm. it feels like the majority of the reason I also shy away from Los Angeles stories is Los Angeles is a weird city in which much of the culture is the showbiz culture yeah and so it kind of is this bubble of people trying to make fake circumstance, which yes. doesn't necessarily, in my view, contain the most exciting stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And those that have been told have been told. I feel like La La Land is like the last movie we need about people struggling in L.A. Yeah. And At even least that about, was... And even that was a little bit like we've already kind of seen that. Yeah. And so... With Angel and, like, L.A. Confidential, it's about the crime world. Mm-hmm. And Angel focuses on... Is that a problem? Okay. And Angel focuses on the crime world of L.A. Yeah. And so in that sense, it feels like... And so you got 24 is an L.A. show, Angel, an mm-hmm. L.A. show, and neither of them are about Hollywood L.A. Yeah. And I think that that makes it just kind of almost Angel's metropolis. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a fake, dangerous metropolis. So it's turning, essentially turning Los Angeles into Gotham. Like, there you go. I that's mean, a better version. The thing it. that trips me out is that Los Angeles is a real place, whereas Sunnydale is sort of this digestion or interpretation of California. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, like, Southern California, specifically, like, pro- like, right below Central California. Like, people who probably go on their parents go up to wineries or whatever, mm-hmm. which, like, maybe you can do in Irvine. I don't know. I actually have never lived in southern, southern California. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's. I think it's really hard to tag down because they want to focus on downtown because that's, like, a place where there's a lot of crime and, like, despair. But a lot of these stories relate back to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird because, like, Hollywood, and like, if you've been to L.A., you've seen, like, it's not the thing. Like, you don't go to Hollywood and you're like, I'm in Hollywood. Like, you see the sign on the hill, I suppose. But, like, when you're in Hollywood, you're like, oh, I guess I'm at the Amoeba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not, like, this thing where, like, oh, and all the pretty, like, all the pretty people that you'd expect to live in Hollywood probably live in West Hollywood or have houses, like, out in Malibu or something like that. Right. Um, Hollywood, the heart of Hollywood is that Hollywood Boulevard. Like Hollywood that's just horrible Nine, traffic right? And... Wouldn't that be, like, the heart? I feel like if you, if I'm... If I live in the middle of uh, Albania, mm-hmm. I'll just say. Sure. Shout it out as often as we can. Yes. Speaking of it, yeah, so I'm half Albanian, and I'm only bringing this up in the sense of, just because I want to, I think this is a funny thing, uh, in Whose Line this year, when mm-hmm. Dan Patterson was giving the intro, he was like, now, when we ask you for a suggestion, like say we ask you for a country or something like that, now say something useful, say something helpful that they can use. Don't shout out like Albania or something like that. Something that people know. And I was like, shut up, Dan. You're Albanian. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dan Patterson doesn't listen to this podcast. Hey, Dan. Um, anyway, they think of Hollywood as probably like the Grauman's and the Hands. Right. And the- oh, yeah, Grauman's is probably the heart of... The tourist vision of what it means to be... The Times Square in, of Los yes, Angeles. The Times Square of Los Angeles is a terrible place where people are dressed up like Transformers and they won't let you take a picture unless you give them $20. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if that's a true price. I just kind of said it because I've never asked <laughs> for it. Because I never... Er, I could do that at Comic-Con or WonderCon this weekend. Yeah. Uh, last weekend. Last weekend. Like WonderCon, yeah. last weekend. <laughs> uh, anyway, I got lost. I feel like you were going somewhere. I just I think it's hard to exactly tie down the culture of Los Angeles because there's so much going on and it's not like this one thing and they're trying to go for like the Hollywood element of it but so much of that is imagined and invisible and behind closed doors mm-hmm. that every so often you get close to it like I feel like in the first episode our big bad was like this cr- really creepy producer guy yeah totally a thing totally totally a thing yeah I've worked with a few of those things uh, and he had to throw them out of a window god i wish oh there was one day i won't say where and i won't say who but i wish <laughs> uh but it wouldn't solve my problem it would he would specifically have to be a vampire in order for yeah that to yeah be. yeah yeah we're not otherwise it would people. just be a man thrown out and I'd be like why'd you do that it's like because he said that he was gonna spank my coworker. 
Uh, Jesus. Yeah, and he made he wrote this movie that everyone talks about. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, and in this episode, there's like this abusive relationship, and then Cordy's kind of doing the acting stuff. I feel like it's hard because the landscape in terms of writing or us imagining of Los Angeles is so ambiguous and widespread. Mm-hmm. That's like, how do you picture? How do you visualize Los Angeles? Is it beaches? Is it warehouses out by Pasadena? Is it people cruising down the road like in Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. Is it crappy apartments? Uh, is it tanning out in a park? Probably not that. We don't have a lot of parks. Although Griffith Park, Griffith Park is the biggest city park in the yeah. all of the United States of America. So take that, New York. So we have a massive park. Yeah, we we get up for it with one. I've got uh, Plumber Park near me. Plumber Park's great by you. I really like Plumber Park. It's not like a destination spot, but you can go play tennis or chess Uh, there. Farmer's Market there is great. Lots of chess tables. Yep. I mean, there's lots of little parks. Lots of old men playing chess against each other. I also highly recommend if you are in Los Angeles area or visiting and you're like, Griffith Park, that's a huge thing and like that's a lot to go to and parking and everything. Go to Kenneth Hahn Park. Uh, Go south la cienega before you get to like lax territory you're going over a hill then you'll be able to exit on the right to kennethon park it's the best and it's where they shot a few buffy episodes great so i recommend it it's free during the week during the weekends it's six dollars but it's worth it and there's also the olympic forest where they planted trees for each country when we were hosting the olympics in 1984 i want to say that's awesome great visitor center just shout out to kennethon kennethon park um but yeah and this episode is funny because i feel like they have to go like it was when He's being tortured in a warehouse. I don't know exactly where it is, but I'm going to assume it's near downtown because I think that, like, uh, they meet Spike and tell him that they found the ring, but they don't know, but they don't want to give it to him. That's downtown. Yeah. Because there's buildings. It, it, there were. It looked like it was the WB lot. It looked like the WB lot, and then there was, like, a reverse shot where I was like, this might where Spike's be Spike's in shadow. Yeah. yeah. But it also might have not been because I usually they shoot yeah. on the lots. Yeah. Something about those awnings Because also... All the Hollywood stuff actually... Okay, this is how... I'm so glad we're cracking this. All the Hollywood stuff actually happens in the valley. Yeah. Like, it's not... Like, we've got Sunset Gower, I suppose, and, like, a few other places, like CBS. Uh, and, you know, there's, like, the Sony lots and stuff in um, mm-hmm. Culver City. But I feel like when people are like, oh, I'm going to go to Hollywood, it's like, actually, you want to go over the hill on Barham, you go down onto Olive, and then on your right will be what you believe is Hollywood. Like, that's right. where Hollywood happens. It's Warner Brothers. It's not in Hollywood. It's in Burbank. It's in Burbank. Or some parts in Studio City. At least Disney and, and not even really Studios. Well, there's one on Studio City. Yeah. CBS. Yeah, CBS. CBS Radford, the only studio in Studio City. Mm-hmm. Yes, but interesting. To, to focus on the Spike Doyle Cordy stuff for a moment. Sure. Very l- lacks urgency. Yeah. And what the hell? Hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what Go on. the. What the heck, hell, hell, was their plan with the throwing the actual ring around willy-nilly? I would have thrown a fake ring. I would have as well. They threw the real gem of Amara to the point where it was picked up by a pedophilic, torturous vampire? Yeah. Here's my thing. Dangerous move, to, to, Cordy. These are not... Xander and Willow would not have done that. No, no. Even, even Xander alone. Cordy should have known better. She's been through this already. Exactly. To piggyback off of that, find a ring that looks similar. And if you're like, where would I get that ring? You're in downtown Los Angeles, baby. It's called the Jewelry District. (laughs) There's signs that will direct you to it. We're down the street from it right now in the Central Library here. (laughs) Yes, we are. However, would the invoice that they still hadn't received from Rachel only go towards getting a new ring? And you know what? Those are the situations where you spend the money because guess what? Angel's life is on the line. You gotta spend it to make it. Yep. Oh, my goodness. But it all worked out. Yeah, because Oz comes in hot. Oh, that's the best part of the With episode. his van. Oz bursting through in a heroic moment is great because Oz... Can we talk about Oz for a little yep, bit, too? let's talk about Oz for a sec. So Oz is a strange character to be the first major Buffy character of the Scoobies to cross into the series of Angel. Yes. And it works on multiple levels. It works because he's so special and specific that it Mm -hmm. makes the worlds feel even more connected. It fits the story logic that Oz would be someone who would have a relationship with Los Angeles. Yep. And it also fits the promotional perspective in the most famous 
cast member perhaps emerging at that time was Seth Green. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, throw Seth Green into the Angel episode and people will watch Angel. Yep. Perfect. Anyway. So, yeah. Oz. Great guy. I I love how he's able to kind of form this Venn diagram for Angel because he comes in he's like, How's everyone? Like, good, good, good. Like, and this is what's different about the shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, he kind of establishes that. And also, he's so chill mm-hmm. that it's funny because you're like, oh, yeah, him and Angel hanging out was a little, not, I hesitate to say redundant, but it was just like, yeah, that's all they did. Like, they were just both kind of quiet and yeah. talked. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, they're similar personalities. It's great to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cruising in with the van at the end and then game planning with Angel to take down our big our, our episode bad mm-hmm. great great yeah. use of van yeah uh, it kind of elevates this scoobiness to a whole new level imagine if like Shaggy was like hold up like I'm gonna take the Mystery Mobile and go kill a really powerful vampire yes and save some kids um my favorite thing, though, is the idea of, like, uh, they're like, we're going to go on tour. Like, we're going to go down for a gig in Los Angeles. And I was like, cool, I'm going to bring this ring. And then, like, what did he say to his band to just get away for, like, a hot sec? Yeah. Where he's like, all right, cool, I'm going to go grab uh, some pinks or something like that. And then just drives over and hangs out with Angel for, like, a day. Right, and helps him Because he's got the van. So what are the other band members? Like, are they just staying in an Airbnb? Like, are they just Well, they the didn't growth? have those at the time. They didn't have those at the time? I bet somebody is like, somebody had like a brother. And like, someone's like, we're gonna go hang out with uh, this brother on Highland or whatever. Yeah, like Got Devin's it. brother uh, was somehow. Devin would have a brother. And is Devin, here's my question though. Would not Dingo's at Ate My Baby at this point be aware of vampiric activity after graduation day? Absolutely they would. And is Devin so thick as to not understand that Oz is a werewolf, or they just do and it's normal and it's fine. The band's the band's understanding of Oz's condition is never clear. No, it's not. And this is only kind of this is an Oz light episode because Oz none of his his wolfiness comes through, which is fine. Yeah, it wasn't it's what it's the about. It's yeah. a daytime thing. But yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I thought that Angel would have known that Oz was there. And I feel like there might be some sort of glitch in their security system because Angel's like, Oz, hey, how's it going? And it's like, you would have either smelled Oz there mm-hmm. or there should be a thing that's like there's another person in this building. Yeah. Just thoughts. Those those are good thoughts. And so the idea of let's talk about the Gem of Amara's destruction. So the Gem of Amara is apparently the holy grail of vampire lore yeah. according to Giles I mean in terms of like w- people look for it yeah he said that I think it was like in the 10th century and, ooh and I wrote this down that this oh, I in your notes I wrote down in my notes uh, two Buffy comic ideas for us okay continue uh, one of them so if in the 10th century a bunch of vampires went out hunting for the gem of Amara nice. you could have a collection of like five different stories of different vampires in their failed quests for the gem of Amara so like bad Indiana Joneses yes. to bring it back so bad like vampiric Indiana, Indiana Joneses, Joneses who were thwarted over the course of and if it all takes place in the same hundred years maybe it could even be one story cool I like it cool and it ends up in Sunnydale. That's great. Like, how did it end up there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you'd like to hire Omar and I to write that comic, mm-hmm. uh, you can email sunnydalestudygroup at gmail.com. We don't check it a whole lot, so you might also have to tweet at us. <laughs> yeah, tweet at us. Do that. Uh, and then the last, I wrote The Last Days of Dingo, uh, which could be, what were the last, and that could maybe even be a one-off, but like when Oz split from the band, and, oh, oh, that's a, I mean, that's... Yeah, we can cut that out. Yeah, we'll cut that out. Yeah, 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 don't say that. Yeah, we'll cut that out, so... And then the other comic book idea you have, we can't talk about yet, but we no, will. but we will, but we will. Great. I would Good like point. I would like an ongoing comic about Dingo. Yes. Like, their adventures. Yeah, like, they're, like, happy band, like, the monkeys-esque adventures, mm-hmm. and, like, every so often it becomes a thing that, like, Oz is a werewolf. Yes, that would be awesome. And Joss knows how to write... Incredible band comics, as is featured in Sugar Shock. Yep. Excellent comic, one-off that he wrote. But 
Yeah, so... But the ring... So the ring is its holy grail, and then Angel says, if I wear it, I will forget about people during the night. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of that explanation. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's better explanations. There like, are. And Spike Tim, could yeah. get it. Yeah, Spike could get it. Tim Minier gave an interview about this same topic of like, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute, why wouldn't Angel keep the ring? And the answer became, well, what if I turn into Angelus? Yeah. But that's not said in the episode. No. It's a little vague what he says. Like, well, what about the people during the daytime? And he's like, the police will help them. Yeah. That Which, was... Yeah, exactly. That's And that's what happens. Yeah. And at night, just to, so you know, when the sun sets, all the police go to beds. <laughs> yeah. They go to their beds, and they lay down, and they go to sleep, and they go, hopefully there's a vampire out there that's going to help all the people that we don't. Yeah. Uh, but it makes perfect sense. It means the same reason that you don't wield the ring of power. Yeah. And in this sense, Angel didn't need to go all the way to Mount Doom. He mm-hmm. just needed to crush it with a brick that was just laying there. Yeah. Yeah. I think he made the right decision. I think so, too, in the end. I um, Fun story about this episode with me is that um, I had, I don't know if I want to, I'll say, Adam McCabe was my guest coach for one uh, practice with my old improv team. And it was actually a lot of people got sick, so it was just uh, John Grant, my teammate, and myself with uh, Adam, who's this amazing improviser and this amazing improv coach and teacher. And we were doing a scene where I was getting a promotion, uh, and John Grant was like, "Congratulations, you got a promotion!" Like you know. And I decided I made the choice to refuse that promotion, oh. and I said like, "I appreciate that, and it makes me feel good, but no, thank you." And he's oh. like, "What? Why?" why don't you want this promotion? I was like, I I like where I am right now. And he's like, but you could just get more money and then you wouldn't have to do as much work. And my response was, did you ever see that Angel episode about the ring of Amara? And how if he had emerged into the daylight, he would forget about the darkness. I would forget about these tax filers were I to be promoted and who would watch out for them. And he's like, the next person, I'm like, I don't have faith in that. And that was my stance. And afterwards, Adam just laughed and he was like, great. I think that was a perfect justification. I don't have any more notes. We can move on to the next scene. <laughs> and that for him was, he was like, great. Yep. I, 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 yeah, it's a great angel episode. Continue. Uh, uh, awesome. And I ne- I, I'd never felt better about a choice in an improv scene. That is great. <laughs> in the dark, getting referenced. It turns out the... Hello from Magic Tavern guys are angel people as well. Ah, good. They made a reference. They made a very specific angel reference. Hashtag tripod. Although by the when this one comes out, it'll be after the podcast promotion month of tripod. What's that? It's where you tell people to try this podcast. T R Y P O D. Oh, fun! It's a hashtag. Check it out. Cool. Um, I uh, some quick Los Angeles things about this episode. Yep. When um, I've already forgotten Rachel. Yeah. Invoice, Rachel. She will never pay the invoice. Do they have her mailing address? How are they going to get that invoice to her? I don't know. Oh, wait. No. Angel knows where she lives. Yeah. They do have her mailing address. Yeah. I highly doubt she'll pay it. Um, when she's like, oh, no, you're not from that creepy church on Sunset, reference to Church of Scientology. Ah. The big one uh, at Sunset in Vermont. Ah. Right? It's on Sunset? Yeah. I'm right. I'm yeah. never wrong. Yeah. Because in order to get to the clubhouse, you take a left on Vermont, mm-hmm. and then it's at Hollywood in Vermont, Yeah, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that's what they um, And so that's the, that's one. And then there's a great reference. When I first watched the show, I totally didn't get it because I didn't live in Los Angeles because I watched this when I was in college, um, was when uh, Doyle Lanterns House of Pies, that's up the street on Vermont. That's oh. House of Pies. And that's a place that uh, hopefully soon we'll have him on the show. But uh, our friend who's a writer, a person of interest, or was a writer, a person of interest, Salva Pirzada, and I often go for pies. Great. That is great. That's great. I thought it was just a funny, if you ever need to cover yourself and like you're hiding from someone and you need to screen your calls, House of Pies works perfectly. Because also, you might trick the baddie who's trying to find you into just considering pie instead of pursuing you. <sighs> Omar, the things we learned from pie and your relationship to it. I have endless. a very close relationship with pie. Are you a pie guy? I am a pie guy. Are you a pie guy or a cake person? Definitely not a cake person. Not a cake pop? You're a pie guy. I am not big on the cake, though if it falls into my lap, I varyingly accept or deny it. Mm-hmm. I would say pie all the way. Favorite kind of pie? Raspberry pie. Raspberry pie? That's not an often quoted or referenced favorite pie. No. Raspberry pie. There you go. Raspberry pie. Best berry there is. Mm. Banana cream pie. All for it. 
Banana cream pie is a surprisingly good pie. Mm. Surprisingly good pie. How's the pie? So good. <laughs> so good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that I, I believe covers the episode. I think we covered it pretty also, full. Also, a really quick shout out. Great directing um, in terms of getting our eyes attentive to the giant pier steak. That's a creative steak. That was... Creative steak. Oh, I forgot about creative steaks. We haven't done that in a minute. We haven't done that in a minute. But this one was a very But you know what? It brings it back. Yeah. And Bruce Seth Green was the director of that. Yep, yep. Not Seth Green. Bruce Seth Green. Yes. Which must have been confusing at times. I bet it at least got brought up. On this episode, right? Someone must have been been like, hey, Seth. Ha ha. Right. Yeah. Hey, Hey, Seth Green. Not you. Bruce Seth Green. (laughs) Yeah. He has done many episodes. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And will continue to do many. Mm-hmm. And Angel will continue. So, you know what? This might be something to share for first-time watchers. Mm-hmm. For the, investigators. For the, yeah, for the new Scoobies and first-time investigators. Is Angel, as Omar said, transforms quite a lot. Yes. Both the character and the show is yet to really achieve its platonic form mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, the most cleanly realized vision of what this collection of writers and directors and actors eventually created. So if you're not feeling the vibe just yet, hang in there. Yeah. Because there's not going to, because Oz isn't coming back. Nope. Spike does, but not for a while. Spike, maybe don't say that. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's in the image. That's a general thing. thing. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say it finally. Spike does, but not for a while. You're going to see some friends along the way. But for now, Love that Cordelia Angel and it's and, yeah and Doyle and it's really gonna find it's gonna get some strong strong legs yeah. Angel Angelica <laughs> and Cordelia Doyle. <laughs> and Doyle season one yeah <laughs> getting through this is work <laughs> <laughs> but I mean great job like uh, in terms of like it's a solid action climax like sometimes like a little bit more Very impressive good. than some Buffy climaxes where. Uh, Two people dive off a pier into yeah. the ocean. In broad daylight. Yeah. And on fire. One of them's on yes. fire. <laughs> and should we note for a minute that Oz drove a speeding van onto a crowded pier with no honking really? No, or... I don't think you can even drive onto a pier. Like I'm pretty sure there's like those things that come up and like it blocks you. He yeah. did it. He did it. <laughs> that is some skill. And, and were they like outside of Paramount? Was that what that was? The beach? I mean that's one. That's not what it would be. I guess they're they're outside of a studio at one point. Yeah, I don't know. Is it Sony? Anyway. It's very confusing. And also, let's just quickly say, vampires, your clothing also catches on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be in the sunlight if you're underwater, apparently, because that yep. stops the fire. Yeah. Although I think that has to be a temporary thing because you probably just get boiled. Right? Yeah. If you put a vampire in a tank and you put the tank outside, I feel like they would still die because the daylight rejects them. Totally. But you would just be underwater. Mm-hmm. So. And then they quickly made their way under the pier. Exactly. Under the boardwalk. Under the it's boardwalk. It's not boardwalk, but I just always think that. That song plays whenever the they fight. Yeah. Under the boardwalk. Yeah. And also don't swing with your ring hand, man. No. Keep that ring hidden. He didn't even look like he was trying to hit him. He was like, you're talking about Marcus? Yeah, Marcus with that swing. He was basically like, just take it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm done. I had a good day. Marcus's day out is what this episode should have been called. (laughs) Marcus's last day out. (laughs) And so tells the tale of the gem of Amara. That's it. And then broken on a rooftop where they definitely are standing. Not a studio green screen room. That is a rooftop. With a beautiful sunset. Yeah. With a beautiful, actual, not Real, stock footage nope. sunset. That's what sunsets look like, and that's how long they take. <laughs> All right, and that is our bell, which means that someone has detected our presence, which means that the Central Library is protected better than Angel's home <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> so we will be packing up our bags and running out of here in a second. But really quick, thank you so much for joining us for our discussion of Season 1, Episode 3, In the Dark. Um, we have a lot more Angel to get through. We're really excited. We're going to be doing some LA heavy stuff. And then, uh, I guess we can sort of talk about this now. We wanted to get the wheels turning on investigating Angel again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listened to last week, you know that we've taken a little break from Buffy. We're back in Sunnydale and we should be cruising through the show with, uh, no further interruptions because we sat down 
one day and just got the production schedule out of the way and yep. figured it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shouldn't be having any issues. Uh, but also to let you know on top of that, we are going to start opening up Angel and uh, expanding on the world within the podcast mm-hmm. because we are in the central library. Why not grab some folks who are maybe witnessed Angel running down the street? Yeah. Maybe own the restaurant that Angel's eating at, uh, which is not a restaurant, it'll probably be a blood bank. Uh, just we are going to be expanding upon the Los Angeles verse of Angel because we can. Uh, and so look forward to that. Um, we, at the end of all the music, of course, as you know, we will be reading our homework. We mentioned in the last extra credit that extra credits and homework don't exactly cross over. That's uh, extracurriculars, I should say. Mm-hmm. Extracurriculars and homework don't exactly cross over. So now the, the homework is going to be at the end of every session. So wait until after the music if you'd like to hear uh, the homework read out loud. But right now we get to give you an assignment. Yes. Um, which is going to be, we asked last time, of course, what type of jewelry or ornament would you have on you to grant you power? And uh, our question right now, our, our homework that we're going to ask you guys is going to be announced after we discuss our socials. Nice. <laughs> That's how we keep you. Get em. It's that. Wait, wait, don't tell me logic. Chris, where can they find you? Hi, everybody. My name's Chris Bramante. You can find me as Amontioc on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and also playing the character of Amontioc on The Gauntlet, a improvised gladiatorial battle every Thursday at 6.30 Pacific, whatever D stands for time. Um, Daylight savings time. Right? Oh, Pacific time uh, on Hyper RPG's Twitch. You could also find me with Robot Teammate Musical Improv on Geek and Sundry Twitch. And then, uh, yeah, those are the things. Great. I'm Omar. You can also find me on Twitter at Omar Najam. I also have an improv team, Swimming Lessons. We perform all the time at UCB Sunset as well as at the Clubhouse. If you'd like to figure out, or not figure out, if you'd like to detect with uh, your abilities what shows we have coming up, please visit facebook.com slash swimming lessons improv. I also have another podcast with a study buddy, Minzu. Mm-hmm. where we are hopping through universes briefly talking about Sailor Moon but mostly it's just sliders with whatever universe we want to pop into uh, that's Hey Sailor you can search for that and give that a listen if you would so like and of course you can always check out anything and everything Sunnydale Study Group related at SSG Podcast on Twitter again that's at SSG Podcast and then on Facebook we are Sunnydale Study Group and on Instagram we are Sunnydale Study Group and your homework as we decided, is going to be if you got to be a guest DJ for Marcus for one of his torture sessions in that warehouse that was probably just outside Pasadena in Arlington Heights, what kind of record would you, what what discs would you spin uh, to mix it up? Because Spike was not a fan of that music. No. Not a fan of that music at all. What kind of music would you uh, would you play for Marcus there and for Spike's enjoyment? Go ahead and let us know by tagging SSG Homework and tweeting at us at SSG Podcast. And we will read those out next week as we collect your homework. All right, guys, that's it. We will be back up driving north to Sunnydale, past Oxnard, past the Denny's, which if you don't know that reference, you'll get it in a few episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and so we're going to be back in Sunnydale for a discussion of my favorite episode, Fear Itself, episode four of season four of Buffy, with a very special guest, Diane Hutton. We're mm. getting, we got her back, and we're so happy. And it's a really good session. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun session. It's great. The extracurricular we do for that one is so good. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. So please tune in back next week. Guys, thank you again so much for joining us here in downtown Los Angeles. Pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you then. homework time so we asked you guys what item or accessory of clothing would you wear that would grant you magical abilities and jp said my magical item would be a belt which would grant me mastery of all musical instruments that's such a good idea because it's just a belt it's so unassuming kind of feel like it might like glow or like change colors as you play that or something like that all right guys remember to turn in your homework by tagging ssg homework on twitter and we will see you then bye